little boy from the Catholic Church comparing their churches, and so, so the Catholic boy said, "Will you come to church with me?" And then I'll go to church with you. And so, the uh, they went to the Catholic Church, and they started all their rituals and things that they do. And little little Protestant boy asked the Catholic boy, and he'd tell him what all of this meant and all you know. The next Sunday they came to the Protestant Church, and uh, so he said, "Why is everybody standing?" He said, "Well, we stand when we sing." And so then it come time for the offering, and he said, what are they doing now? He said, they're, they're taking up the people's offering. And then when the pastor got up in the pulpit, he pulled his watch off and laid it up on the pulpit, and the little Catholic boy said, what does that mean? And the little Protestant boy said, it don't mean anything. But it means something. I'm going to preach 35 minutes this morning. Okay? I want to I wanna hit you and hit you hard and hit you quick so that when you leave here today, you'll know what happened. All right? Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 15. Now, we're got, we've got a lot of Scripture that we're going to look at today because in dealing with the heart and mouth connection, you know, you don't know what's in my heart unless I speak it out my mouth. Right? Because you remember we've, we've used the Scripture in Matthew 12, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, the fruit of an apple tree are apples. You got that? So, what we're going to talk about now for the next several days or Sundays is we're going to talk about the fruit. We're going to talk about the mouth. And we're going to see some things that we need to understand but as we do, I want you to remember this. From this point on, the mouth is only speaking what the heart produces. So I want you to keep that in mind. From the abundance of the heart. And we're going we're gonna to see as we study on and get on in this that, that, you, that you can think with your heart and you can think with your mind. They're different. The heart is the spirit part of man. The mind is part of the soul. It's the, the soul is the, the mind, emotion, and will. So we can think with our heart. And that's the reason it's so important to have it in our heart. And I know a lot of translations translate heart. Uh, they translate it mind instead of heart. And so, but we're going to see that there's a difference in that as we go along. Now, I'm wasting time. I need to move on. Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 16. And Jesus said, Are you also yet without understanding? Do not you understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth, going into the belly, and is cast out into the draw, or to the bathroom. Y'all understand that. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. You hear that? Those things that proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defiles not a man. Now, Jesus was in a situation again with the Pharisees. Before, in Matthew 12, they accused him of casting out devils by the devil. That, boy, that makes sense, don't it? And so, that's like beating yourself, right? So, here, he's in it with the Pharisees again because the disciples sat down to eat one day and then washed their hands. Now, there was a custom among the Pharisees that they washed their hands. I, these folks were... What are the folks you call that always got to wash your hands? And whatever they were, that's what these Pharisees were. 
They go out in the market, they come back and wash their hands. Matter of fact, to my understanding, in Jerusalem they had hand-washing stations. That sound like anything nowadays? You know? Hand-washing stations. And they wash their hands. And there's nothing wrong with that unless you make a religion and a doctrine out of it and hold everybody to this, that same standard. So that was what was so wrong with the Pharisees. They made some crazy doctrines and helped everybody to the same standards that they helped themselves to, and they couldn't even live up to it. Jesus said, you set all of these standards, and you're not able to do anything about it, but yet you want other people to do something with it. You want them to live up to it, and yourselves can't. So this is what they got into, and all they, oh, they were just so tore up about this. So Jesus began to tell them, look, you, you, you guys don't realize where you're coming from, and I'm paraphrasing the first 15 verses of this chapter. You fellows don't realize where you're coming from and what's going on because you've you got to realize that every seed that God plants is not going to be plucked up, but those that God don't plant are going to be plucked up. In other words, he's saying to them, you're sowing some bad seed and you need to watch that. You need to understand that this is not so. And so then he comes to this point. The disciples said, we don't understand this either. Can, I can picture sometime Jesus' expression to us had to be something like it was with the disciples. Oh, we don't understand this. What? Like he told Philip. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And he said, here he is in the upper room. He said, have I been so long with you and you still haven't seen the Father? I done told you everything I said. I hear him say everything I do is what I've seen him. All of this I've done and you still not seen. And I can picture him being maybe that way with us sometimes, you know, because of we go on and we look and we... And we and and we hear it preached to us, and we go to church, and all of that, and we come into situations, and and and, and come up on us, and oh, what, what? And I can just see Jesus say, "Do you not understand? Do you not understand?" And that's what he was saying to these guys. He said, "It's not what you put in you, and it's not how you put it in you." I mean, my goodness, if you got dirt on your hands, how many how many of you know children? and yourself as you was a child, that you ate with unwashed hands. Huh? Think about it. Think about how many mouthfuls of dirt you eat, either willingly or unwillingly. Though unwilling was when somebody knocked you down in the dirt, you got a mouthful of dirt, that kind of thing. But think about that. And so he's coming out of our mouth that's into you, but it's what's coming out. It's what's coming out. What is coming out of our mouth is what's causing the problem. Remember Proverbs 19... Or Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And when we speak, we're either speaking towards life or we're speaking towards death. And that's what's coming from our heart. Now look with me in, in uh, uh, Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart. Now remember, the heart is the center of everything. And out of it comes the issues of life. And, and when he's talking about the issues of life, he's talking about the cycle of life, the stream of life, where life comes from. And, and the, the complete Jewish Bible says, from out of the heart comes the consequences of life, whether good or bad. So it comes from the heart. Now, the mouth, the tongue, and the lips compromise this area right in here, you know. We've all got these. We've got a mouth, we've got tongues, we've got lips. And these are all instruments by which words come forth. 
Now, I forgot the teeth. You've got to have, you know, your teeth involved in that. But mainly your, your, your mouth, your lips, and your tongue is what the Bible refers to. Are instruments by which words come forth. Now, let me see how to say this. These are instruments of sin. When somebody says you have a trashy mouth, they're actually referring to your heart because your mouth's not trashy unless your heart is. Now, let me go on here. Look in Isaiah 59. Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. That's what I was referring to earlier in praise and worship. I, I paraphrased, you know. But anyway, God's hand is not short. People say, well, I don't know why God's not hearing me. I don't know why God's not doing something. But listen to what he says here. God's hand is not shortened. No, it's not weak that it cannot save and deliver and, t- and take you out of circumstance, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. In other words, God's not asleep. Say heavy ear means somebody that is, in a, that is asleep or they're in a, a, a situation where they're just sort of lulled out, you know, and, and you're talking, but they're not listening. And it's sort of like those folks you see that you see and, you know, the lights is on, the television's playing, but there's nobody at home. Now, that's, that's basically what this is saying here that God's not this way. God's as strong and powerful as He's ever been. God can do anything He needs to do. And God can hear every prayer. Not only can He, but and God does hear every prayer. Every one of us in this room could go to praying at the same time right now, and God would hear each one of us individually. Well, why am I not getting my prayers answered? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because verse 2 answers that. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins has hid His face from you that He will not hear. Yeah, but that's Old Testament preacher. That's not New Testament. No, it's, you know, the same God in Isaiah 59 is the same God in John 3.16. He don't change. He said that in Malachi. He said, I don't change. I don't change. I, I change not. So He's still the same God. Now, if there's something wrong... We've got to understand it's not wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with God's Word. If things are not working, that leaves one other person that's involved in this equation, and that's me. Listen to what he says. He, he lists a catalog of sins now. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Now, none of us are murderers and killers, and we don't do that kind of thing physically. I trust you don't. I hope you're not one of those that they're still looking for and they can't figure you out. But here's where we come in. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath murdered or, or muttered perverseness. Perverseness or corruption. Not me, preacher. I hadn't said a curse word and I don't know when. Well, we may not have said cursed words, but we said words that curse. I'll show you that in a few minutes, okay? Proverbs chapter 16, verse 16 through 19. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. Now I want you to follow this and see if we can figure out how many times He's talking about words that we speak. 
A proud look, that don't have anything to do with words except the way we talk sometimes. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations which could be words, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness, he's talking about lying again, that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now, at least three times in this category of things that God hates, that actually says is an abomination unto him, we find the use of words involved in these things. And we wonder, why are are words so important? Well, stay with me for a few minutes, and we're going to see some of these things. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they deal truly, but they that deal truly are his delight. I want to point out here in this scripture, and back over in, in, in Proverbs chapter 6, 16, the word abomination. Now, here we find the word abomination connection in connection with lying and false witness. Now, this word abomination, it means something that is detestable, irksome. In the New Testament, as well as in the Old Testament, there's a lot of different words that are translated sin. And uh, in the Greek, the, the main word that's translated sin is, is the word harmonuta, which means missing the mark. Y'all all heard preachers preach about missing the mark. Missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark. Here's the mark. You shot off over here. That's a sin. And it's not talking about a bow and arrow. It's talking about the Christian life. And and, and getting to heaven, and the only way we can get to heaven is to leave the sinning route and come to Jesus through that time of faith because of the grace of Almighty God. But in the Hebrew language, this word here, abomination, carries it a little bit further because it's talking about the way that God feels about someone worshiping an idol. Idol worship is detestable to God. Idol worship of any kind, in any day, among any people, is an abomination to God. Why? Because God is God. He's the only true God. He's the only living God, and beside Him there's none other. And not only that, but the reason God hates lying so is because it's completely off the scale opposite of Him because God is all truth. Not only is His Word true, God is all truth. So with God being all truth, and He's the one that we're looked to, on the far end of that thing, we find Satan and Jesus said in John 8, 44, you don't have this one, but that's okay. John, Jesus said in John 8, 44, you're of your father the devil, he's a liar, and the father of lies. So get a hold of something. When you lie, that's what we're talking about here to begin with, when you lie, you're actually, as far as God sees it, you're leaving the throne of God and worshiping at the throne of the devil for some kind of self-gain or something that will hurt somebody or something to do wrong. Just lie. Okay? So I want to tell you this. What separates us from God is lying lips. Lying lips. And sometimes it's so subtle. We need to learn how to speak the truth in love and not back up from that. I mean, you know, regardless of how easy it would be to lie out of a situation, we need to speak the truth in love. And, and, and we get caught up in that all the time. And sometimes we do it to protect ourselves, so to speak, and to protect the relationship. So like a wife goes to the beauty parlor, and she comes home, and she's got her hair all fixed up, and she comes in and asks the husband, said, how you like that? 
And he being not truthful enough to say, I don't look like you, honey. His horn looks good. It looks good. I got, I, guys, I found out something. When she goes and she comes back, she'll say, hey, I like my hair. And I'll say, do you like it? Well, yeah, I love it. Because I made up my mind a long time ago, if she likes it, that's fine with me. Okay? And guys, don't get all rung up about hair because it's going to change color and it's going to grow back out and that kind of thing, you know. We don't have to get all rung up about that kind of thing. We, we need to learn to speak the truth. And if it's something that looks just terrible, just say, Honey, I need to tell you something now. You asked me how I liked it, and I've got to be honest with you. I don't, but realize this. That color that's on it's going to change and it's going to grow back out and we're going to live with it. See, you saved yourself there, hadn't you? You may not get supper that night, but you've saved yourself. Lying lips. Lying, let me tell you something. Lying is a habit that people get into. They get into it and they learn it quick. You know, a baby, it cries because it's hungry. And it cries because its diaper needs changing. That's the two basic reasons a baby cries. But after a while, that baby begins to understand, hey, I can cry, and they'll think I'm hungry, and they'll come to see about me. Or they'll think my diaper's dirty. And they'll come. See, what I'm saying is this. We don't have to teach people how to lie. We need to teach people how not to lie. But understand this. If you have a problem with lying with your words, then you have a lying heart. And you can get out of that. You say, well, don't we get out of that when we get saved? Most of us didn't. If you had a habit of lying before you got saved, you had to work on it after you got saved. I promise you, you did. You had to deal with that. Now, the reason I say that is because I had to. And I'm no different than you are. I had to deal with that. But let me tell you, let me tell you, Once your heart is made new, the seed of lying is still in your brain, in your mind. And if you want to overcome that, listen to me, if you want to overcome, if you have a problem with lying, regardless of what age you are today, if you're young or old, there's something you need to do. First of all, you need to repent before God for that particular thing and ask God to forgive you for that and to help you with that. And then find you somebody and make yourself accountable to that person and then make yourself correctable. What good does it do to make yourself accountable to me? You come to me and say, well, Pastor, look, I've had this problem with lying, and, and I need you to help me with it, and I want any time that you hear me say something that sounds like I'm exaggerating or stretching things out of proportion or just a pure flat lie, I want you to correct me. And then that happens, and I correct you, and then you get mad at me. If you're a husband, you have accountable to lying, make yourself correct, uh, accountable to your wife. Your wife and have trouble lying, make yourself accountable to your husband, parents and children the same way. But it's something that people need to realize that they need to do. All right, now then, I want to move right along. I got 15 minutes left and got nine points left to go. Stirring up strife. This is what he's talking about sowing discord among the brethren. 
If you go back to Proverbs 6 and go back into chapter or verses 12 through 15 in the Amplified Bible, it says this, A worthless person, a wicked man, is he who goes about with a perverse, contrary, wayward mouth. He winks with his eyes and he speaks by shuffling or tapping with his fingers or feet and he makes signs to mislead and deceive and teaches with his fingers willful and contrary to his heart. He devises trouble, vexation, and evil continually. He lets loose discord and sows it. Therefore, therefore upon him shall the curse, crushing weight of calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken and that without remedy. Another translation says that God hates those that sow discord in the family. The family, the church family. I hear people murmuring and talking about things in the church and, and grumbling about folks in the church and, and telling things that are not so. Now, I'm not talking about here, but I've seen it over the years. And if we have it going on here, you listen plain to me this morning, okay? We don't put up with that. I might make television talking that way. Anyhow. <laughs> Sorry about that. Forgive me, Lord, that was so in discord among the brothers. In the family. But, but let me tell you, so in discord. That's, that's a person who is continually grumbling about somebody else or hearing something and they're going to somebody else trying to get people on their side and on their team. But as we read this scripture, a person that sows discord is in trouble because they're heaping it back on their side. Calamity. Calamity. The word calamity here leads to something, if and bring it into a modern day term, calamity here is worse than being caught in the center of an of a EF5 tornado is what it would compare to in today's understanding. So if you're in the sowing discord, you need to ask God to forgive you and get accountable. And, and then, because see, you never, you never want to sow discord at church. This is God's people. You don't want to do it at work. You don't want to sow discord at work. You've got to go there and see those folks again tomorrow and the next day. And you especially don't want to sow discord at home by causing trouble and things to come there. Amen? Another thing that separates us from God is gossip. These are things that come out of our mouth. Gossip. Y'all are not interested in that one, are you? Gossip is a person who habitually spreads intimate or private rumors or facts. I put in facts because even... If it's true, it can still be gossip. And, and you know, we, we want to brush it off. Y'all know how we do in the church. I'm only telling you this for a matter of prayer. You know, that sounds spiritual, doesn't it? But the next time you start to say to somebody, you know something, and maybe Mark's come to me with something, and, and it just sounds good, you know. I think I'll just go tell Gary and get and tell Gary, Gary, we need to pray about this. I need to realize and ask the question from the time I go to here to here, am I convinced and burdened about this enough that I'm praying about it in between time? And if I'm not, it better not come out of my mouth to somebody else. And then when I pray about it, it definitely won't come out of my mouth to somebody else. I remember a uh, long time ago I... I come across this that said that you only uh, that you never pray for people you talk about 
and you never talk about people you pray for. That's not a rule. That's just the way, it, that's a law. That's the way things are. Because if I'm running around talking about you, I'm not going to be praying for you. And if I'm praying for you, I'm not going to be running around talking about you. Proverbs 20:19 in the New Living Translation says, A gossip goes around and tells secrets. So don't hang out with chatterers. Don't hang around with somebody that just talks all the time. Proverbs 16, 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. And then, as we come on over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20 in the New Testament, because Pastor, all this stuff's in the Old Testament. All right. In 2 Corinthians 12, 20, it says, For I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. All of these things going on, and who's he talking to? He's talking to them that are endeavoring. He's talking to folks that are Christian people. Folks just like you and I that are, that are endeavoring, that should have the passion. Hey, look, if, if I've got the passion to live a Christian life, then I'm going to do whatever it takes so that I can live that life and it can be seen all the way down into my words and I'm going to quit gossiping. See, uh, when, you, when you think about gossip and, and slander and rumors and things of this nature, once the gossip is started, you'll have more success unscrambling eggs than you will stop and gossip. You ever thought about that? You can't do it. Brother, Brother Gary is our chef on Saturday mornings at our men's breakfast. And boy, he can, he can cook up some eggs. He can cook up those omelets. But you know something I've never seen him do? He'll break that egg in that bowl and he'll stir that thing up. But I've never seen him be able to unstir it and bring it back to where it's just sunny side up egg. And once you speak things about people to somebody else, you can't get that stopped. Then another thing he talks about that's a sin that comes out of our mouth is slander. Slander is a false and malicious statement or report about someone. You say, well, isn't that gossip? Well, remember, gossip could be true, but even if it's, if it's true, I don't need to tell somebody. You see, I could see Hunter over here go out and smoke a cigarette. I could see him do that. I mean, I, I don't think he does, but I could, you know. Well, what I'm, let me get a hold of this. Can you believe Hunter smoking? I just can't believe Hunter smoking. And I go over to Alyssa and I thought, I saw Hunter smoking. Now that's true. But why am I doing it? Gossip, isn't it? But slander is on the other side of that. Slander is telling things that's not so. Well, I just don't do stuff like that. Well, you know, it's so easy for us to, to get a hold of things that we overhear. And we don't even know the full extent of the situation and we pick up on something and we run to tell it. And what's even worse than that is people walking around telling things they read off the Internet or off of Facebook. Well, it was on Facebook. Do you believe everything that you see on Facebook? I saw an article on Facebook that said President Trump is resigning. I saw that. But then at the bottom of it said April Fool. Proverbs, uh, Psalms, rather, Psalms 140, verse 11. In the Amplified Bible says, Let not a man of slanderous tongue be established in the earth. Let evil hurt, 
hunt the violent man to overthrow him, let calamity follow his doings. Let not a slanderous man be established in the earth, a slanderous tongue. Then we find in Proverbs uh, 10, 18, in the New Living Translation, it says, Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. Boy, you can't win in that one, can you? You're either a liar or a fool. According to what you're doing. Slander's a lie anyway. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is addressing immorality. Some immorality that was going on in the church and some things. And we read this, and, and boy, we, we get a hold of this first thing here. But now I write to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a Christian brother, for he is, for he is known to be guilty of immorality or greed. Immorality. You know, we immorality involves all kinds of sexual deviation, sexual sin or whatever it may be. All the way down to adultery, living together, fornication. These are immorality. And then it goes on from there. Immorality is, is gay and lesbian, homosexual lifestyle. This is immorality. And boy, we want to distance ourselves from all of that, right? Come on now. Y'all know how we are. We want to distance ourselves from all of that. But the rest of this says, in the next verse, and the rest of this, or as an idolater whose soul is devoted to any object that usurps the place of God, or as a person with a foul tongue, railing, abusive, reviling, slandering, or is a drunkard or a swindler or a robber. No, you must not so much as eat with such a person. Boy, it had some pretty tough language there, didn't it? People are always slandering others, running people down. Don't go eat with them, he said. Don't fellowship with them. And he's talking about this in the same vein and the same breath that he's talking about immorality. Folks, that coming from our heart. Another thing that, we, that has separated us from God is tailbearing. That's breaking confidence. Tailbearing. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A talebearer, or, 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 or one that breaks confidence, revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Talebearer. Reveal secrets. I found out a long time ago, if you don't want nobody to know a secret, then don't tell anybody. But we break confidence. You know, and here's, here's so sad. The church ought to be the safest place for a person to reveal things about their self that they need prayer for. It ought to be the safest place. But what happens to us so many times? Somebody stands up and says, Look, I need you all to pray for me because of blah, 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 whatever it may be. And inevitably, in a lot of situations, somebody is going to take that and go tell, Boy, you won't believe what old so-and-so said. They was having trouble with yesterday. Sometimes, whenever it's a one-on-one -on -one thing, one-on-one. -on -one. Somebody say, now listen, I'm telling you this because I need to talk to somebody about it. But I'm asking you don't tell nobody. Well, I won't. But then we come over to somebody else and we tell them, look, I, I just want to share this with you, but you can't tell nobody. You know what we just did to that person? Okay, bond, then we're willing to live on it. Because what was told me said, don't tell nobody. Okay, I won't. 
So now then, but then it gets around, and then we say, well, I told them not to tell nobody, and if they did tell somebody, tell them not to tell anybody. And before long, 50 people knows it. Tell me, and let me tell you something else too. If you've got to talk to somebody, if you, if you come and talk to me, folks, I've, I've got things in me that I've never even shared with my wife from years ago that people said to me and talked to me about. And I'll tell you this too. There's times in certain situations that I may go to my wife and talk to her because the burden's heavy and I just need her to pray with me about somebody's situation. And I can tell you this, what she, what she knows she keeps, dynamite couldn't get it out of her. But there's a whole lot of things I've never said to her. There's things that's been told me lately that are still right here. And, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you. If you tell me this is in confidence, I need to talk to you about this, and I appreciate you not saying nothing to nobody, I'm not going to say anything to anybody about it. And if somebody else says something about it, then you better back up and remember who else you told. Boy, I've had that to happen a lot. Well, you can't tell that pastor nothing. He tells everything. And I confronted a person one day. They said that to me. When I pastored in South Georgia, they said that to me. And I confronted them and I said, what do you mean? Who else did you tell besides me? Well, uh, I told and I told. But they wouldn't tell nobody. I said, they did. But when something's told you, listen, here, he said in James, this may be one reason that we don't see people healed a lot of times. He said, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Confess your faults. We confess our faults to God for forgiveness and we need to learn to confess our faults to each other and it don't have to be in a congregation. It can be one-on-one and then pray for one another that you may be healed. So folks, we need to understand that just because something sounds good, it don't necessarily have to be talked good. Amen? Then speaking curses instead of blessing. We do that. Romans 3 Romans 3, verses 13 and 14 says, Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Wow. That tells me three things right here. First of all, it tells me that their throats are an open tomb. They're filled with death and decay. They practice deceit. Their tongues that practice deceit, they're skilled in lying. Lips with poison of ass that's concealing snake venom, and then mouth filled with cursing and bitterness. See, cursing refers to the act of pronouncing a curse on someone. It's not just what we call cussing. That's profanity. That comes under a different category. But cussing, cursing, cursing thing. And, and, and you know, this is pretty simple, but if you're not cursing something, you're blessing something. And when you curse, it's just... You know, here, here's, here's what makes this so bad. But, you know, and pardon me for this. Pardon my French, they'd say. But just the simple word, damn. It's, it's a Bible word. It comes from the Bible. It's the root word for the word condemnation, which talks about judgment, severe judgment. So, and, and you know, being damned is the worst thing that could happen to someone. What's worse than going into eternal judgment, Right? Eternal condemnation and separation from God. But yet we do it. And we may not use the word, but the, but the things that we say about things brings a curse and it damns things. Why would we want to damn our marriage? 
our children or our job by talking bad against them, talking uh, in a bad way instead of talking a good way, finding good things to say. And, and that, why would we, and people want to curse their checkbook. My goodness, folks, the checkbook's got enough problems without you cursing it, right? And it's not necessarily taking the Lord's name in vain. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But here's the very thing about it. It's not God's nature to damn a thing. Now think how bad that sounds. It's not God's nature to do that. God's nature is to bless a thing. So next time, instead of, if you're tempted to say that, say, God bless. God bless. God, and then don't say it in a slang way, but say it in a reverent way before God. See, what happens to the cursor is going to come back to them. What they say is going to come back to them. Psalms 109, verses 17 and 18. Psalms 109, as he loveth cursing, so let it come unto him. As he delighteth not in blessing, so let it be far from him. In other words, if he likes cursing, let it come to him. If he don't want blessing, then let it flee from him. As he clothed himself with cursing, like as with his garment, so let it come unto his bowels like water and like oil unto his bones. In other words, you, if you go to cursing things, you're going to get it on your garment and it's going to come on you. What you say is a seed that you're going to reap and it'll come back to you. Now then, with that in mind, taking the Lord's name in vain. How do we do that? Well, we can use it as a compound name just like what I said. And that's one way to do it. Exodus chapter 20 verse 7 says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Vain here has got two different meanings. One means a uh, derogatory kind of way. And when you take God's name and use it with other things, like the word damn, then, then folks, what you're doing, you're lessening God and bringing Him to lower than what a man is. And you're not going to get God to do and work on your behalf. See, sometimes we get this idea that maybe I can, get, I can pray a David prayer and get God to smite my enemies and knock them upside the head and curse them and all that kind of thing. But, but no, that don't work. That's not God's name. That's not God's way. That's not God's nature. But another way, and see how all of us can breathe. Boy, I'm glad I hadn't done that. But another way that we take the Lord's name in vain, the word vain also means doing something that is self-serving. A self-serving way. That's coming in and saying, God told me. God told me. Now, if that'll work, God told me to tell you, Bill, to give me $1,000. Judge that one, would you? How many young women have been turned around because some guy walked up to them and said, God told me that I was going to marry you. Had trouble. She didn't quit running. She passed through three states. When I told Loretta that God wanted me and her to marry, she's the one that broadsided me. God had already told her. And see, whenever God tells you to tell somebody something, changes are He's already dealt with them about it, and all you're doing is confirming what God has already started working on. Give God time to work, folks. But but to say, hey, see, it's called playing the God card. You ever heard of that? Playing the God card. Somebody come in church with God told me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Church has a pastor. 
When I pastored in South Georgia many years ago, we needed to build. Church was running over, every service running over. We needed to build. We didn't know in that day about having two services. <laughs> that, wasn't, that, was, that was in the 70s. That's before they started that. We just needed to build. So I got all the men together and talked about it. And I said, we need, to, you know, we need to build. We need to do something. We're busting out the walls every service. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we're busting out, setting chairs, and we need to do something. And one guy stood up and he said, well, when God gets ready for us to build, he'll tell me. And I said, sir, this church has a pastor. God will tell the pastor. And if the pastor won't listen, then God may tell you. Needless to say, they didn't build. The church went down nearly to nothing. But God said, God said. In Ezekiel, he said, quit saying God said when he hadn't said anything. And he carries it on even further and implicates that when people continually say God said when God hadn't said nothing, God is liable to kill them. Boy, that'll hush us up, won't it? That'll, that'll cut out things. I remember some years ago in our church, boy, just this one, God said, God said, and it sent up, and I thought, my goodness. So one Sunday I got up and talked about that. You know, it got real quiet in church. If God's not saying, then we don't need to say. And, and so many times we do it for selfish reasons to come in on ourselves. I've been 40 minutes. I apologize. I'm five minutes sober, but bear with me. I didn't set out to tell y'all a lie, okay? But I've got to deal with these things real quick while, you, while we're thinking about it. Another one is filthy language. Filthy language and euphemisms. Things that we say that we think we're getting by with it. I, I'm just going to... Can I be bold? Y'all won't be mad or nothing? Filthy language is somebody going around saying, Oh, crap. They're calling somebody a butthole. Butt face. And, and you know, and there's a whole lot of things like that that people use that's just as vulgar as if they said the word. Now, come on, don't get mad at me. I don't mean to lick the red off your candy. Okay. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. And that's just, I, I'm not going to get any worse than that, okay? But now put away and rid yourselves completely of all these things. Now, he's talking to Christian people. The verse before that, he talked about all this ungodly, filthy stuff that goes on in the world. Like it happens in Hollywood and like it happens in Huntsville and Birmingham and in Thoughtful. But, but he said, completely rid yourself of these. Anger, rage, bad feelings towards others, curses and slanders, and foul-mouthed abuse and shameful utterances from your lips. Shameful. That includes dirty jokes. I don't tell them, but boy, I sure listen to them. You know what? You listen to them long enough, you're going to be running around telling them. How do I know that? Hey, I'm a person. Come on. You know, it's something how that us Christians like to get together in a quiet place and, and, and share a little off-color joke with somebody. Even to the point of it being filthy. Filthy talking. What was I saw on Facebook? said, if you can't say it without cursing, it don't need to be said. Cussing. 
This is, see, a while ago we talked about cursing. This is cussing. That's what we do in North Alabama, cuss. I'd like a fellow dropped a, ball, a bowling ball on his foot and he cussed up a storm. He's cussing. We need to stop it. Those things are cutting us off from getting our prayers answered. God's not hearing us. It's like His hand is not working. It's like His deaf, hear, ear is deaf. He's not at home. He is there. But all of these things that we do with our tongue that's proceeding from a heart that's got that in it is cutting off from God to where we can. I didn't say you're going to hell. You may, but you better not. Another one's contentious speak. That's speaking strife. Contentious speech. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 9. I heard somebody trying to quote this the other day, and I tried to help them. We both missed it. It's better to dwell in a corner of the housetop then with a brawling woman in a wide house, that word brawling there is better translated contentious woman. Now, I didn't say that. That's Solomon and all of his wisdom. And he ought to knew he had 900 of them things. 700 wives, 300 concubines. No telling what else is going on. And you think, that's me and think, yeah, you see? Hey, you better watch before you say that the next time she may hand you a tent and show you the roof. Because there's a verse about men, too. It's in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 21. And it says, As coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. See, man, kindle strife. And, and that happens. So what I'm saying is this. What it comes down to is talking about an argumentative spirit, an argumentative attitude. Won't argue about everything. Won't argue. Children, display this to their parents. I know when Mark, I like to pick on Mark because he's big enough to take it now. But anyway, whenever he was a teenager at home and other children's not in here, of course, they're the ones I'll talk about. Isn't that right, Mark? But this one, this one, Mark had a reason for everything. I often told him, son, you need to be a lawyer. And I'd say, I'd, 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 you know, I'd tell him, you know, go, well, Daddy, can, can, well, Daddy, Daddy, can we not just talk about this? Daddy, 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 you know? And, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Not me. No, uh-uh. Argumentative. Argumentative. Husbands get that way. The, husbands and women and wives, male and female. Okay. It gets me when they've got to have the last word in an argument. They've just got to be that dominant. I'm having the last word. Argumentative spirit. And people do that in church. People do that everywhere they are. They just want to be in charge enough that they have the last word. And folks, that kind of thing has come from a heart that's not where it needs to be with God. Speaking, speaking strife. No one knows better than your spouse if you're that way or not. And I'll admit, I am. I'm working on it, though. I'm getting better. I've had 47 years to practice it, and I'm getting better. Then the last one is spreading unbelief. Spreading unbelief is a sin. Talking negative talk all the time. You see, we don't need somebody that says, well, everybody else is positive. I've got to be negative to balance it out. Why? 
Why can we not all talk about the Word of God and the good things of God and the blessings of God and speak words of faith? Words of faith. You see, this in Hebrews chapter 3, and this we was here last week, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Evil heart of unbelief. How did that show in that time? We talked about that last week. Y'all remember about camping, whose campfire are you at? Whose campfire are you camping around? Are you camping around all those naysayers, all those negative stuff, everything? Are you camping around get all of your information about what's going on from Fox News or, or whatever news it may be? If you are, then folks, you're camping around the wrong campfire. The wrong one. Well, how will I know what's going on? Well, read 2 Timothy chapter 3. It'll pretty well get you up to date on that. Last day, son shall depart faith, giving speed, giving faith, giving heed to the spirits and doctrines of the devil, and don't talk that in the last time men will be lovers of their own self more than lovers of God, proud boasters, blasphemers. I mean, you know, it'll, it'll keep you pretty well up to date. But, and there's nothing wrong with listening to the news. We just need to pass by it and not camp out there. If we do, we get to talking unbelief. Well, I know the Bible says that, but, but, no. Listen, we can either talk positive, we can talk negative, we can talk faith, or we can talk unbelief. Evil heart of unbelief. But I want you to notice something else it says. It says, but exhort one another daily what it is called today. We can either be speaking evil, or we can be speaking exhortation. Exhortation is encouraging and admonishing and getting people to move on and, and go on with the Lord. Now, I've presented you here, and I'm 10 minutes over time. I won't charge for that. These things have to be said. And you think, well, Pastor, all you're doing about mouth is talking negative stuff. Hold on with me. Just give me a little bit of time, because sometimes you can't treat an illness till you find out what the illness is. Right? Ten things that we've talked about. Words and conditions that come from the heart that are keeping us from getting our prayers answered and seeing the work of God and moving our life like we desire. That is a whole lot more. But these are words of the mouth. Words of the mouth come from the heart. So it's up to us. I want us to bow our heads for a moment. Go ahead and start playing the music there, Bo.